How's your day? How's your day? The, the greatest statement I'm going to make this morning, most profound statement I'm going to make this morning is the day started. Some people may be dreading today. Others may be already bored in today, bored with today. How's your day? Because God is in today's. And he's into the minutest detail of your day. Why? Because you're going to reach people that I can't reach in your day. But if you're dreading waking up to another day, if you're bored the minute you wake up, and I'm talking to Christians, you're going to miss what God wants to do for you and through you. A day isn't to be endured. A day is to be lived. And lived to the fullness in God. Some people say, well, I can't take any more today. And God's on the case. You'll come through. He's got a plan for you. Turn your Bibles, if you would, please, to 1 Samuel 17. Well, a very well-known story. I've preached it many times. And uh, I was arguing with God this morning. And you think at my age now, you'd have learned not to do that, wouldn't you? I wasn't arguing about who he is. I was arguing about what I was going to bring. God's given me two words. I'm off on again next Sunday morning. I've got two words, this word and the word for next. And I wasn't sure which way around to bring them, but the second word I haven't fully prepared yet. And I'm hoping God's not going to say the second one. Because it is walking on water. But I believe this is something God wants to point out. That today is the day that the Lord has made. Yeah. I will be sad. No, come on. Keep to the word. I will be glad. And there it finishes. Hmm? I will well, you may, but you don't know my day. You don't know my day. <laughs> if you hang around at the end, I'll give invitations out to my pity party today. All right. I'm going to have a pity party at five o'clock tonight. Turn up at my house. I'll make you depressed. Because that's what pity parties are. Okay, 1 Samuel 17. And I'm just going to pick a few verses out and see, see what God's saying. 
to us. And we're going to start at verse 12, I think. Now David was the son of that Ephronite of Bethlehem, Judea, whose name was Jesse. And that's his dad. Jesse was David's king, what was going to be King David, but he's not yet king. Jesse's his dad, who had eight sons, and the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of Saul. And I saw myself a safe portrait there. Old and advanced in years. Anyone says amen, and we would cancel your membership <laughs> right at this moment. You may be old and advanced in years, but God can still use you. Yes, yes amen. As we'll find out. Amen. Amen. He wants to use the young one and the old one. Amen. He doesn't worry about your age. You may worry about your age because the culture in which we live dictates once you get past a certain age, it's all over. I want to tell you, when I got past a certain age, it was just beginning. I can take this mountain. I'm like Caleb in the Old Testament. I'm going to take this mountain in God. He was old and advanced in years. In the days of Saul. There's something significant there. Because King Saul is laying down something about the days in which they're living, which is not of God. But we'll find out. The three eldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. They had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons who went to battle were Eliab, the firstborn, Abinadab, and the third, Shamath. David was the youngest, of the, and the three oldest followed Saul. David was the youngest, but it keeps repeating that the three oldest followed Saul. Interesting. What's the Saul syndrome? Three elder brothers are following King Saul. Well, that's okay. They've gone out. They've done. They're doing their bit. They've gone to battle. But they're following King Saul. They're following a man who moves with familiar spirits. Yes. They're following a king who is no longer putting God in first place. Be careful in your life who you follow and what you follow. You can follow your own self-opinion and believe you are right, but you're very wrong. You're wrong because you're following your own understanding. You're looking with the natural eye. You're trying to understand and you can think that even God's involved, but he's not. Who do you follow? What do you follow? You can come to church. You see, this church is not a spectator place. 
It's a place where you can meet Jesus. It's a place where you can unload the burdens of life. It's a place where Jesus wants to be, I believe, to meet with us. Three brothers follow Saul. So what King Saul says, they obey. But he's leading the nation the wrong way. But David follows God. A Philistine comes out. And we know the story. David and Goliath is this story. A Philistine comes out. You know the word Philistine? It's got its root meaning in to wallow in self-pity. Philistines will try to raise themselves within your life. Self-pity. It was interesting because eventually the story goes on, as we know, David took Goliath down. But Goliath, I think I'm right in saying, had five brothers. And it was David's men of valor who followed David and not Saul who took out those other five giants because David had led the way, a picture of Jesus. Jesus has taken down the enemy. He has taken him down. But we did to be king. That's when his problems start. The prophet comes and lines up all the brothers. There's eight, well, there's seven of them there. David's out in the field initially. And he goes through the whole seven. And he says, it's not one of these. You must have another one. And the father says, yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, I've got another one out in the field. Bring him in. And there's the brothers lined up. Got to be me. I'm the eldest. I work out in the gym five times a week. You know, I go to the gym and drink coffee. Watching Wendy swim. It's wonderful. I feel as fit as a fiddle. I sit in the cafe up there and they don't charge you to go in. You can go in free and buy it up at, where is it? Devonshire. You can go up there and watch all these honky harries walking around and silly sallies and all that lot, you know, freaking out in the gym. There's Sally at the back. There's a bless you. And I sit in the in the cafe up there, looking through the window, watching people swim, and I'm having a wonderful time. And I come out feeling I do. I come out feeling as fit as a fiddle. It's wonderful. But David's eldest, Jesse's eldest. One probably thought it's got to be me. I'm the eldest. I got the right. I'm the eldest. So I'm the fittest. Another one. So they're having, probably having a discussion amongst themselves. You know, well, it can't be David. No way. You see, God's stirring up something here. 
You can read this as a simple story and miss what God's doing. God is stirring up a family and their initial reaction is anger. David, oh, David. But they're not going to argue with the prophet. Because to argue with the prophet, the prophet could have struck him dead. So David comes in and the prophet takes the oil and anoints him to be king over Israel while there is still a king over Israel. So David's problems are just beginning. It reminds me very much of Jesus when he was baptized. We get this great event. He's at the Jordan, and the heavens open, and God the Father speaks, and the Holy Spirit is descending. There's a picture of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is descending upon Jesus. Wow. Give us some of that, eh? Eh? Wonderful. Check it for yourself. What's the next voice he hears? The voice of Satan. I'm not trying to put you off, but I'm saying this. When God anointed you, when you got saved, gave your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came and lived within you, your troubles have just started. Well, I ain't going to become a Christian then. No, it's not that kind of trouble. It's the kind of thing that God can speak with you and say, go and do that. but it's inconvenient. We'll get there in a minute. I want to give you three points to bring down your Goliath. And it's got nothing to do with slings and stones or chopping heads off. You know, you ought to, that ought to be the prerogative of the pastor of the church, doesn't it? Whose head are we going to chop off today? <laughs> okay, three points. Now, verse 15. Verse 15, 14, 15. David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistine drew near and presented himself 40 days, morning and evening. Then Jesse, that's David's dad, said to his son, David, take now for your brothers an ephah of dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news to them. My title for this morning is Father Knows Best. Jesse has got no idea about what's happening at the battle. Bring me back news. He's not manipulating anything. To him, this is just a normal day, but he's requesting of David to run an errand. 
to be a deliveroo. <laughs> Jesse's got no idea, but it's God. You see, you can wake up in the morning and our Father in heaven can say something to you and you just think it's a good thought. Have we all done that? Come on, send to tell a lie. That still small thought that we never or very rarely ever attribute to the Father. And then we get two choices. Well, drat. Have my day planned. I was going to nip out into the field, sit down under this stone and count sheep and fall asleep. I, I, you know, I've done it a couple of times. I count the sheep and the best way to go to sleep is to count sheep. The first point is this. If you want to pull down your Goliath, you've got to be obedient to the Father. It's not the sling. The start of the sling that takes, or the stone that takes Goliath out is because David started the day obeying his father. I want to, you know, I wanted to go to football. Oh, dad. Oh, dad. You know, We've all heard it, our parents, haven't we? Hey? We even said it when we were kids. Oh, Dad, do you want me to do that now? Oh, you're spoiling my fun. I was going to go up the park and play football. I was going to go over there and ride me bike. And you want me to do Oh, Dad. David had learned, I believe, not to do that. Why? Because he was a super saint? No. No, he wasn't. He was human. As we find out later in his life. But the anointing recognizes there's more to this than meets the eye. The anointing that you carry is not about you. The anointing that you carry is always for other people. It's one of the most important things you can ever learn as a Christian. Or else it's my ministry. My purpose. No, your ministry has been given to you as a gift. By God, yeah, yeah. by through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Father says something to you. You need to prick your ears up and don't argue about it. Don't reason it away. Don't put it in a box that suits your thought patterns because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. 
His ways are better than our ways. It's not that God's being difficult. It's just that God is perfect. But we want some control. Well, listen to the Father because the Father knows best. Repeat after me. Father knows best. Amen. Saul, King Saul, had a neurosis. I think that's the way you pronounce it, isn't it? Yeah? He wasn't best. He was a bit paranoid. Okay? He had the problem that everyone was against him. It's a, really like an unwritten law. When you think everyone is against you, guess who's wrong? You. Me. When people say things to me, if I don't love my brethren, I take it wrong. I get offended. And the word says this, an offended person is harder to win than a fortified city because they won't listen. They hear what you're saying, but they won't listen. If David had taken that stance, Goliath would never have been taken down on that day. So the anointing that you receive is God's way of bringing you into his purposes. That other people might benefit from your life because of Jesus. It's not about whether you feel comfortable. It's not about whether you feel high or low. It's simply listening to that voice and recognizing the Father's speaking. Or you listen to the words of Saul, a man who inquires of witches. He sunk so low. A man who's paranoid about losing power. And yet, there he is. But he's still King Saul. And only God can remove him through the prophet. Only God. Nobody else can touch him. He was God's anointed. Now, sometimes that's hard to bear. And we bring it up today. You may not like somebody. I mean, being a pastor and a leader, we are such wonderful people. I do not understand how people can't like us. I mean, you'll like me more than him. Because I'm old and gray. But I cannot get... How is it people don't like me? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I'm the perfect husband. I'm like Jesus. I don't change. 
Wendy says, you've always, you know, always been like, yeah, I know, I'm like Jesus, I don't change. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why are you trying to change me? <laughs> it's usually because I need to. But oh, no, no. No. <coughs> Forty days, Israel army, Israel's army had been drawn up against the Philistine army. Forty days. That's a generational thing. Forty it tells me that you can grow up in the church. You may have been in the church for 40 years. If you're my age, you probably have. But it does, doesn't tell me that's a qualification for hearing the voice of the no. Father. It just tells me sometimes people come to church out of habit. Did you come in this morning expectant other than my daughter? Did you come in spiritually expectant? There's quite a few are nodding. The rest aren't. <laughs> but do you come here prepared to do what the word says one comes with a hymn one comes with a word did you come to prophesy did you come to declare the goodness of Jesus did you come this morning to bring faith to somebody else or did you just turn up in a bad mood or just turn up The Israel, Israel's army followed Saul, King Saul. Yes, you've got to admire them when the call came out to arms. They rallied around King Saul. But they became like Saul. So when Goliath came out every day, Throwing down challenges, they were gripped, the word says, with fear. You become like who you mix with. Or don't mix with. You can become like that, gripped with fear, just by being on your own. Praise God, is a David. He represents Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus. Listening to the words. You see, you get two choices. You can listen to the words of the Father, or if you don't, there will be other words coming your way. The words of the enemy. He's waiting to speak into your life. You know that? You know where the battle is. The battle's not in the heavenlies anymore. 
When Jesus ascended, he punched a hole right through the heavenly warfare. Nothing can stop your prayers. Nothing can stop the Father speaking to you. Nothing can stop you from speaking to him and getting heard. But the battle is up here. Because who controls the mind controls the person. I got a little phrase I use. Mind your own business. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. Mind, you watch your business. The Bible says that I have been given the mind of Christ. Why? That I may think and be susceptible to the voice of the Father and then obey that voice. Now, some things he says, I don't understand. But he says, I don't want you to understand them now. It'll be revealed. Trust me. Trust me. So, obedience to the Father is the first thing to bring down a Goliath in your life. Number two, serve the brethren. Oh, no. Oh, no. Got nothing to do with bringing down Goliath. Got everything to do with bringing down Goliath. Father says, Jesse says to David, take, take some bread or in the grain and you know, take it to your brothers. If you think I am going to that motley crew, you think I'm stepping out with them when they were criticizing me when I was being anointed. You wait till I'm king. I'll get them. Or it's, it's not that, it's the other one. We're so good to my brothers. <laughs> I'm going to be king. Hi, guys. That's what happened to Joseph, wasn't it? His brothers thought they took care of him. The anointing always brings a challenge. And the challenge is how are you going to respond to your brethren? Well, I'll put up with them. No. What does the Bible say? I'm not not getting an answer to this one, am I? Maybe I'm stepping on some toes this morning. What does the Bible say about brethren? Love your brethren. Male and female. Yeah, but come on. I mean, let's be fair. I mean, our younger brother used to get chips and egg for dinner and I'd have to have roast. You want me to love him? My mother used to spoil him, didn't spoil me. I tell you what, I think that's why you went bored. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Too many chips, mate. You know, he's, he, well, I was going to say he went to work in the dockyard. He didn't. That's a lie. He went to the dockyard, spent most of the day sleeping, but every dinner time, for five years at least, five years, chips and steak pie and beans. Every day. It's any wonder he's turned out like he is? But I gotta move on. Second point is love your brethren. Serve your brethren. Serve them. Take what I you know, I'll just make this point. I saw it this morning. Jesse says to him, take these provisions for your brethren. But Jesse is the kind of father that has already done this before. In the previous chapter, he says to David, take this pile of provisions for Saul, the king. Jesse here is the kind of father that reflects on my heavenly father. That even in a place of war, even in a tough place, there's provision that comes from the father. Because who touches you touches his eye. And what touches you touches my Father in heaven. And Jesus knows our weaknesses. He knows our infirmities. He knows who we are and what we can take and what we can't take. And what we can't take, he strengthens. Because my Father's in heaven. It's pizza time. Jesse says to him, take the pizza. Take it to your brothers. He says, okay. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. If David hadn't taken what I call the pizza, just to sum it up nicely, Goliath wouldn't have been taken down. If David wasn't prepared to serve his brothers at a cost to himself, at inconvenience maybe to himself, Goliath wouldn't have hit the deck. You see how important your day is. This every day, it's so important that in even what we think or in the smallest detail of the day, God's in it. And God can bring you into something to fulfill his purpose for someone else. It's not for you. It's not even for you to glorify in it. Oh, we don't do that. God, thank you. I give you all the glory. No, you don't. Come on, cut it out. God says, I don't share my glory with anybody anyway. 
You think you can take some of my, you, you're barking up the wrong tree. But we use this spirit, you know, I, I, did that. I did this, God told me to do it, and I did this for the Lord and that for the Lord, but I gave him all the, no, you're not, you're a little bit proud. Did you know something? Yeah. Yeah. Pride is waiting all the time. Whatever God tells you to do, do it. And just be happy that he's speaking to you. You don't have to justify yourself to anybody. If God wants to reveal it to a congregation, he's quite able to do it. He doesn't need you to to manipulate it a little bit. Oh, I'm on a fire this week, Pastor. Oh, I had a good week. And they just said, well, come on, ask me what it was. I'm on fire this week. Oh, God, it's so good. Had a, come on, Pastor, ask me what it is. Come on. And the pastor's just doing, oh, God, I'm so pleased for you. But come on, ask me. Ask me. God may have used you. But he doesn't necessarily want it showed you from the mountaintops. And other times, you can be sat in a meeting and God will reveal it. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Am I prepared to serve the brethren? They're more important than me. I'll quickly finish. Well, I'm not going to finish. I've got stacks of it here. Oh, dear. What we got here? Oh, yeah, people. People, you've got an assignment today. An assignment to be miserable. God, don't we work at it? We, we don't we work at it? You're smiling, Sarah. I must have hit something here. <laughs> it's Mike. Yeah. I well, I yeah. I mean, there are exceptions to everything. There are extremes to everything. Good brother, yes, good brother. Guys, you got an assignment today. This is the day the Lord has made. I will be. Here's the choice. Here's the choice. It sounds very simple, but it's not. It's a scripture we can quote very easily. But the challenge is to live in it. Amen. Jesse says to David, go with this provision and bring back news of what's going on. thought God knew everything. He does. But he wants you to tell him what's going on. He wants to bring you into the equation. He wants to bring you into the battle. Come on, tell me. I I know growing up with, you know, oh, she sat there. Oh, dear. I won't pick on Sarah. She's bigger than me now. <laughs> there, there are times when your kids come, come home and you know they got good news because you've heard it from another source before they come in. You know. 
And then in they come, you know. But you know. And, and Dad, do you know what happened? And Dad, and, and you've got to show interest, haven't you? <laughs> but you already know. And you want to get on with cooking the tea like I do. Their enthusiasm wants to touch you. They want to know that you are interested in them. But when it's not convenient, and do you know what happens when it's not convenient? They don't come the second time. No point speaking to dad. Too busy. Never listens anyway. And something of a communication breaks down. But I got a father in heaven who 24-7 is available and is so enthusiastic over me that he always listens. Bring me back news. Bring me back news. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop because I'll go on. If you don't stop me, I'll go on and on and on. Oh, what do I do next week now? I have no idea. Third point was, if you're taking notes, I mean, I'm not going to go there, is love your brothers. Yeah. Serve your brothers, second point. And the third one is love your brothers. That's where most trouble comes from not loving your brothers. It's, it's not about me. And the sooner we discover that, the more peaceful we live. It's not about me. It's about you. The Bible says prefer. Yeah. I'll prefer you yeah. to me. I've seen me in the mirror. And you're better looking. It doesn't mean that at all. It says, your needs, your life is more important than mine. Whatever is kicking into my life at this moment, your needs are of of more importance than my need. That's loving your brothers. I'm going to give you a choice. You can either have the second half next week or the purpose of a famine. Drat. I wanted to do you the famine one. Oh, I want to do the famine. I'm not listening to you. See what I mean? See what I mean? Get over it. Give us a second part next week. Second part next week. All right. And then at the end, I'll do what happens in a famine. The benefits of a famine. Okay? Let's leave David delivering the delivery room, okay? Just stand together.